Pastor Henry Harder, the Renewal Singers, and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We return today to the 12th chapter of Acts and to Luke's account of the imprisonment and release of Simon Peter. On our previous study, taken from verses 11 through 17, we followed Peter from the prison to the home of Mary, where the church had gathered to pray for his release. When he arrives at Mary's home, he is left out on the street because the people can't believe their prayers have been answered. Then Luke writes, But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Now we come to verses 18 through 25, the final verses of this chapter, and Luke writes, At dawn the jail was in great commotion. What had happened to Peter? When Herod sent for him and found that he wasn't there, he had the sixteen guards arrested, court-martialed, and sentenced to death. Afterward, he left to live in Caesarea for a while. While he was in Caesarea, a delegation from Tyre and Sidon arrived to see him. He was highly displeased with the people of those two cities, but the delegates made friends with Blastus, the royal secretary, and asked for peace, for their cities were economically dependent upon the trade with Herod's country. An appointment with Herod was granted, and when the day arrived, he put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. At its conclusion, the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It is the voice of a god, and not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, so that he was eaten by worms and died. Because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. God's good news was spreading rapidly, and there were many new believers. Barnabas and Saul now visited Jerusalem, and as soon as they had finished their business, returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Teach me thy way. 
God will not share his glory with anyone. He tells us this in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Herod refused to glorify God through the miracle of Peter's release from prison. Instead, he blamed the guards and had them killed. And now he is willing to let the people deify him. God judged him. God is jealous of his glory. What a lesson we have here in these verses. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. I'm sure God has a sense of humor. There is humor in the Bible. You can't miss it in such a chapter as Acts 12. Peter is in Herod's jail in Jerusalem awaiting trial and certain execution. The church meeting at Mary's house prays. An angel assists Peter to escape. He makes his way to Mary's house and the maid in her excitement refuses to open the door and admit him. He can't have felt very safe out on the street since Herod's men might be combing the city looking for him. Certainly they would look for him here at Mary's house since his group evidently came here often to worship and fellowship together. Excited, Rhoda reports to the prayers that Peter is at the street door. Not believing her, they suggest that she is out of her mind or that she heard Peter's spirit counterpart or his angel. Finally, the door is opened and Peter is admitted. In the meantime, back at the prison, at daybreak, the guards discover Peter's disappearance. They were understandably concerned, since according to Roman law, a guard who allowed a prisoner to escape was subject to the same punishment intended for the escapee. The guards must have been aware of the execution of James earlier, and they well might have been aware that the same fate was in store for Peter, and now for them. There are other examples in Acts where Roman soldiers feared for their lives when they lost their prisoners. The guards were responsible for their prisoners. So Herod here grilled the guards. Nothing came out of this cross-examination and Peter couldn't be found. Herod concluded that either the guards had plotted to release Peter, that this was an inside job, or any guards who allow prisoners to escape are irresponsible and unreliable. In any case, he had them all executed, all 16 of them. Having done with that bit of unpleasantness and not being able to find Peter, this ruler needed a change of scenery. He left Jerusalem for the seaside city of Caesarea on the Mediterranean. Now Luke the historian prepares his readers for the death of this king, Herod. Luke writes that Herod went to Caesarea and stayed there for a while, and then he adds this incident about Herod. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. For some reason not stated, King Herod was furious at Tyre and Sidon, two Phoenician coastal cities. 
Their representatives wanted peace since they received the grain for their livelihood from Galilee in northern Palestine. On the appointed day, the king put on his royal robes and took this occasion to make a speech to the representatives from Tyre and Sidon and to the largely Gentile population of the city of Caesarea. The Gentile hearers acclaimed Herod as a god, which he did not deny. And Luke writes that he was eaten by worms and died. This suggests an infection of intestinal roundworms that feed on the nutrients in the intestines and grow as long as 16 inches. At the point where they obstruct the intestines, severe abdominal pains occur, vomiting of worms, and soon death. I want you to hear Josephus' account of Herod Agrippa's death. Josephus was a first-century Jewish historian. Here is how he describes it. After the completion of the third year of his reign over the whole of Judea, Agrippa came to the city of Caesarea, where he celebrated spectacles in honor of Caesar. On the second day of the spectacles, clad in a garment woven completely of silver, so that its texture was indeed wondrous, he entered the theater at daybreak. There the silver, illumined by the touch of the first rays of the sun, was wondrously radiant by its glitter-inspired fear and awe in those who gazed intently upon it. Straightway his flatterers raised their voices from various directions, though hardly for his good, addressing him as a god. May you be propitious to us, they added, and if we have hitherto feared you as a man, yet henceforth we agree that you are more than mortal in your being. The king did not rebuke them, nor did he reject their flattery as impious. But shortly thereafter he looked up and saw an owl perched on a rope over his head. At once, recognizing this as a harbinger of wolves, just as it had once been a harbinger of good tidings, he felt a stab of pain in his heart. He also was gripped in his stomach by an ache that he felt everywhere at once and that was intense from the start. Leaping up, he said to his friends, I, a god in your eyes, am now bidden to lay down my life, for fate brings immediate refutation of the lying words lately addressed to me. I, who was called immortal by you, am now under sentence of death, but I must accept my lot as God wills it. In fact, I have lived in no ordinary fashion, but in the grand style that is hailed true bliss. Even as he was speaking these words, he was overcome by more intense pain. They hastened, therefore, to convey him to the palace, and the word flashed about to everyone that he was on the very verge of death. Exhausted after five straight days by the pain in the abdomen, he departed this life in the 54th year of his life, the seventh of his reign. Josephus had much more the details as Luke had them, and he had them right. One final observation. Why does Luke include the account of Herod's death here in the book of Acts? No doubt the Christians in Judea feared this monstrous man. James had been beheaded by his orders. Peter had been jailed, and evidently the same fate had been planned for him if he hadn't escaped. So Luke includes this 
incident to tell the Christians that man needn't be feared. God is still on the throne. No man flaunts God and gets away with it. Herod was in God's hands, and God knows how to bring down the pride. Then Luke adds this significant statement, but the word of God continued to increase and spread, as if to say that human monarchs and enemies of the gospel only serve to spread the word of God. God is still God. Be still and know that I am 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 God. A radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California 93263, USA.